Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the sermon of the week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. I'm really blessed to be able to lead worship today and then also preach. It's an honor for me. I respect the pulpit greatly as someone who's grown up in church. Pastor Eric's my pastor since I was five years old. And I'm so grateful to my parents who always had me in church my whole life. Mom and dad, right over there, right? Lift your hands. Every time I'm, I'm told, hey, you did a good job, or hey, that was awesome, or hey, thanks for doing that, you know, it just goes right back to them. Because they, they brought me to church. So parents, if your kids aren't in church, maybe they're away from the Lord, I'm praying for you. Uh, but if they are in church, good job, way to go. That's such a blessing to their lives down the road. And I'm so glad that my kids are in church today. Amen. All right. We're going to get in the word today. Uh, I brought two bottles of water because we're going to preach. Amen. Uh, Today's sermon title is called It's Going to Rain. Uh, Now, yesterday was super hot. It sprinkled a little bit on some of us. But the rain that I'm talking about is not the physical rain. Uh, Before we get into that, I want to share with you that my parents blessed my family and I and took us to the Ark Encounter in Kentucky. Has anybody been there? If you haven't been, you should go. And I've actually got a few pictures I'm going to show on the screen here. Uh, There's my kids, my mom and dad, my wife. Um, You guys probably all know them. This is the Ark. Um, It's really, really big. Size comparison, there's a person standing here. Uh, And that's how big the Ark is. It is massive. Go to the next one. Here's one of the levels on the inside. Uh, If you're thinking about going, what does it look like on the inside? This is what it looks like. Uh, Wood, craftsmanship to the nine. I mean, the Amish came in there and really killed it. They did a good job. Next one. Uh, This is the hull, if you know anything about ships. Uh, This is the hull of the Ark. Uh, Just really cool to look at. Something I nerded out over. Uh, Next one. This is my favorite shot. This is standing in the middle of the ark, and you look up, and there's three levels. Uh, it's all accurate to scripture. Uh, it's pretty cool. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, and then possibly my favorite thing about the ark of that day is the next one. This is a mini cow, <laughs> and it blessed my heart greatly. There were many horses, and then I'm like, well, that cow's pretty short. And sure enough, on the little plaque, mini cow. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, look at the ark. There's a cow. <laughs> so shows you where my mind is at, praise the Lord. Uh, and, and when you go through, you know, what is the ark? It's, it's this huge, massive replica of what scripture says the ark is. And they have a ton of exhibits like a museum would uh, where you can read about all the information. Really cool. I think it's arkencounter.com. They paid me $5 to say that. And um, <laughs> they did not. Let's get into the word. If you have your Bibles this morning, let's turn to Genesis chapter 6. This is where we find the story of Noah. And you might say, oh, great, he's preaching on the ark. Uh, We all have this preconceived idea that the ark from kids' books is this cute little boat with all the animals on it. There's always a giraffe poking its head out somewhere. And uh, and that's really cool. But the ark is so much more. And, And more so than that, it's actually the story behind the ark. The ark came for a very specific reason, and it wasn't so that we could go see how big it was, but it's so that it could save mankind, and uh, we're going to get into that. Genesis 6, let's, let's hop down to verse 14. Uh, this is God 
uh, talking to Noah. Uh, verse 14, mark yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. Pitch is like tar. It, it would waterproof it. Verse 15, this is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth or width, uh, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. Uh, make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. That's why there were three decks. All right, so knowing about the details of the ark was very educational. Uh, I learned a lot. My dad grabbed a book talking about the builders of the ark today um, and where the wood came from. It was really neat. Uh, but knowing uh, the reason for it, like I said, is, is going to be very important. Right before the description of the ark, let's jump up to verse 11. So we were at 14. We're going to bump up to 11. Here's the reason for the ark. Verse 11, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh. For the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Man, it got real sad real quick. Could you imagine God talking to you? And you really hope when God talks to you, he gives you direction. He gives you an idea maybe to start a business or he tells you to go uh, minister to someone or go pray for that person. But instead he says, I'm going I'm to destroy this whole thing. Uh, build an ark and you'll be good. Like, whoa, like, uh, I don't know about that, man. So you might say, Aaron, Noah's great. The ark is great. What does that have to do with me? I'm glad you asked. Jesus actually gives us some insight all the way in Matthew. We're in the New Testament. Jesus is in his ministry time and he references Noah. Uh, some people think that Noah was fictional because of the, the size of the ark or being able to fit all the animals or a flood actually happening like that. But Jesus actually refers to Noah as a historical figure. Uh, it's pretty cool. He says in Matthew 24, verse 37 through 39, for as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the son of man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the son of man. I want to present to you the idea this morning that as we progress in our lives, our culture is going to see a few floods. And you might say, whoa, God gave us the rainbow. He said he'd never flood the earth again. I'm not talking about a literal flood. I'm talking about a few areas. One, a flood of immorality. We're seeing that today. We're getting hit with it on the news. We're getting hit with it uh, in, our, in our schools, in our, in our communities. A flood of unrighteousness. Oh, we don't have to do what the Lord said. We don't have to, you know, whatever the, you know, I'm going to do my own thing. Uh, and then a flood of unbelief. God's not, you know, I, it was, he's just a figure. He's, you know, something in the history books. Tell the person next to you, it's going to rain. So I want to share with you this morning uh, a few tools that Noah used to help him build the ark. You guys with me this morning? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for an opportunity to share the gospel this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me, that the words that we hear today are straight from your mouth. Lord, I pray that we would understand that, that any distraction or any unclarity would leave and God, that we would leave today, not only with a new understanding of how much you love us, but new tools to advance in our relationship with you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, 
Amen. The first tool that Noah used uh, to build the ark was Noah walked with God. Genesis chapter 6, Noah in the flood. It starts off like this in verse 9. There are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. Say righteous. Righteous. Blameless. Blameless. And Noah walked with God. What's interesting here is that we only hear of two other accounts in Scripture up to this point of people who walked with God. Can you name the first one? Adam. Adam and Eve. They walked with God. I said God walked with them in the garden. Who's the second? Enoch. Man, you guys are on it. You read your Bible. That's cool. <laughs> Enoch. Uh, and it was really cool. Is, um, uh, with Enoch, Scripture tells us that he walked with God literally to heaven. The man never died. That'd be a cool way to go to heaven. Then we arrive at Noah. And it doesn't give us a lot of details. In verse 9 it said, Noah walked with God, period. It doesn't give us a transcript of what they talked about on Tuesday. It didn't say what their plans for Thursday night were. It just said, he walked with God. Other than the plans for the ark, uh, we don't have many details. But what we do know is that when God walks with people, really cool things happen. Adam got to name the animals. He got to experience God in the garden. He got to walk with him. I imagine that God's footsteps were heavy. Uh, That's just what I think, but he's perfect, so they probably didn't make a sound. I don't know. Uh, Just speculation. Uh, He walked with Adam in that whole uh, Garden of Eden, and then he walked with Enoch, and Enoch was like, hey, I don't really like it here. I can just go with you. And he went up to heaven, and then uh, Enoch had Methuselah, who lived 969 years. Crazy. Uh, And then we get to Noah, who was 500 years old when this account starts, and it says that Noah walked with God. What I love about this is that Jesus also followed God's example for walking with people. Who did he walk with? The 12 disciples. When he walked with them, he said, give up everything you have, come follow me. And excluding a few boat rides that they took, some really cool things happened on the boat. Um, he, he walked with them from ministry place to ministry place, from town to town, from church to church. And, and he walked with them. And I can just imagine the conversations that took place as they're walking in, that, in the heat and they're saying, hey, Jesus, do that cool thing with the water again. You know, like, uh, you know, hey, we could use some drinks, you know, uh, the things that they asked God. And what I love about this is that Jesus didn't just walk with them. He chose to walk with them. He chose them. There's a really powerful thing about choosing people or choosing to walk with people. I'm super thankful that Ariel chose to walk with me. That's my wife. I'm really grateful that she chose me. Because if she didn't, I'd have to do a lot of work just to keep her happy and, and hey, you still like me, right? And, you know, but she actually chose me. Um, I think about when we would walk together. Uh, we used to go on dates, and I didn't have any money, so we'd, we'd, go, <laughs> we'd go walk at the mall. Any, any wall, mall, wall, mall, uh, wow, mall walkers? <laughs> the cool thing about walking there is you don't have to spend anything. It's free to walk. Amen? So... I guess you could just bring a bag with you and pretend you bought something, but that's silly. <laughs> but we just walked together. We'd hold hands. And I was really excited that she was on my arm and that other people could see that I accomplished something in my life. And uh, it was really fun just to share experiences with each other. And some of the most powerful conversations happen when people are facing the same way. I think about when you take a car ride with someone. And you, if you're driving, hopefully you aren't looking at them. But you're just looking out the windshield and you're sharing your heart. 
You're sharing what you're going through. And when we walk with people, and as long as we're going in the same direction, we have that same ability just to uh, perceive what the other person is going through and how to help them. But if, if in my walk with my wife, if I choose to not walk in the same direction of her, what happens? There's a degree of separation. Even the slightest degree on, on a line of two paths will separate towards the end. And it'll be a greater distance. And you wonder how you got there. The same thing can happen with God. And we're actually given an example of this in Genesis 3. We see Adam and Eve, someone who walked with God, choosing a different path than the one God was walking on. In verse 8 of chapter 3, it says, you know, They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man said to his wife, uh, And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said, Where are you? How many of you guys know that when God asks where you are, it's not for a reference of information. He knows where you are. And I truly believe that the reason he asked Adam and Eve, where are you, is because Adam didn't know where he was. He had been walking with the Lord his entire life. He had been walking the same direction. And then what happens is they choose to eat from the tree. The fall of a man takes place. And for the first time, the Bible says their eyes were opened and they saw what was going on. I can just imagine the fear that entered his heart. I broke God's heart. So they decided to hide. I believe God asked Adam where he was because Adam needed some help to find where he was. For the first time, he felt separated from God. And like Adam, when we sin, unfortunately, the, one of the first tools we utilize to uh, separate ourselves from God or to hide from God is a tool called isolation. Isolation is the scotch tape of relationships. It's super easy to apply, but man, it never holds. As soon as it gets wet, as soon as it gets some heat on it, uh, even just as time goes on, eventually that scotch tape just, bloop, it let, that's the sound it makes. Bloop, it just lets go. And what's, what's really beneficial to us is that God is not in the business of slapping some tape on it. He's in the business of putting us back together because he created our hearts. He knows how to mend it. Here's the deal. If we're going to survive the floods that are coming, we have to take a note from Adam, Enoch, and Noah. We have to walk with God. So how do we walk with God? Number one, make the choice to walk with him daily. Notice I said choice. Make the choice when you get up, God, I'm walking with you today. Because if we don't make the choice, the enemy has the opportunity to show us a different direction that might be more enticing. Number two, walk the direction he has laid out for you. Well, what is it? Well, it's found in scripture. Get into your word. He has a real clear path for you. And number three, say no to sin. It separates us from God. Now, someone say it again. It's going to rain. All right. So the first tool that he used is he walked with God. Number two, Noah listened to God. Noah listened to God. Let's get back into Genesis chapter six. We're going to jump down to verse 18. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark. He's talking to Noah here. You, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, verse 20, of the birds according to their kinds, and of the animals according to their kinds, and every creeping thing, everybody say, eh. 
living on the ground according to its kind. Two of every sort shall come in to you to keep them alive. Verse 21, also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. And here we are. We've arrived at verse 22. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. There's a powerful statement there. He did it. Because it could just stop with God told him to. Then we're, then we're left with some confusion. Did he do it? Tune in next week for Noah and the Ark. You know, we're, we're told right away, he did it. He did everything God commanded him. Now, it might be easier to say that God talked to Noah, but does God actually talk to us? This is a fun theological talking point. Does God literally talk? Uh, audible voice? Or is it just a, a, a feeling in our spirit? Or is it someone talking to us prophetically? Uh, these are all different talking points. But I believe that hearing the voice of God could happen in multiple ways. And the most helpful way is by checking what the Bible has to say about your current situation. Now, I'm going to rapid fire some scripture. You don't have to write it down and it won't be on the screen. Just stick with me here. You want to know about marriage? Ephesians 5, 21 through 33. Having kids, children, and parents, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. How to protect yourself? Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. What is love? 1 Corinthians 13. Anxiety? There's a whole bunch. Psalm 94. Proverbs 12. Matthew 6. Philippians 4. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 8. The Bible is full of wisdom. And sometimes we say, oh, I can't hear the voice of God. The voice, God's never talked to me before. Well, have you gotten into the word? It's literally laid out there for you. All you have to do is take a note from Noah and do it. It's funny how the older I become, the more I look back and I wish I would have listened to God. Now, I turn 31 next month. And I'm, I'm really grateful for where I am in my walk with God. I feel good about it. I, I, I became saved. I am being saved. And one day when I stand before God, I will ultimately be saved. So I'm in a process, and you're in a process too. But there are times that I've wanted to talk to the younger me. Aaron, don't do that, please. Aaron, you're really not going to like the outcome of that decision. Aaron, just listen to what they said. It's to help you. Because another way that God speaks to us, he can speak to us directly. He can use his word, but he can also use something called wise counsel. Everybody say wise counsel. wise counsel. We see two verses in scripture, Proverbs 12, verse 15. It says that the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Can someone say amen? amen. But a wise man listens to advice. Our next scripture, Proverbs eleven fourteen, just a chapter before. There is no guidance. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Here's a few areas I've received wise counsel, but I wanted to do it my way instead. Uh, if I say something that applies to you, you can say ouch or amen. Number one, my college choice. My parents said go to Lincoln Land. I said, no, I'm going to do private college. $14,000 later, I should have went to Lincoln Land. Needing a nice car versus just reliable transportation. The first time someone said to me, Aaron, the same four wheels on that car gets that person to the same location. It may be a little slower. It may smell kind of weird, but it's going to get them there. And once I had that revelation, I said, oh, I don't care what people think about my car. If it works, it works. I get to work so I can enjoy my life. It's pretty cool. How to properly manage finances. 
Now, I'm not talking about just balancing the checkbook, but investments, uh, where to spend money, how to get um, different types of income coming in, how to have your investments pay for what you want, uh, how to buy a house. All of these things aren't really taught in school. In high school is what I'm referring to. I came out of high school knowing how to write a check and knowing that I should just go get a job and go get a loan. That's what I was taught to do. Uh, another thing that God gives us uh, information on, or that I was given information on, is tithing. Aaron, you got to do it. Well, that's, you know, that's, you know, if I want to get out of debt, you, you, you start making excuses. It goes round and round. All the while, when I started tithing, I just felt so much peace. I felt the blessings from the Lord. I was also told uh, the difference between wants and needs. Oh, I deserve that thing. Uh, a true story was I went with my friend to the mall. Uh, we didn't hold hands. Uh, he, we went to the shoe store. That's only for Ariel. We went to the shoe store, and I said, oh, I need those shoes. They were pretty sweet Air Maxes. They were nice. Um, and I said, no, I deserve those. And my friend looked at me like, are you dumb? You don't deserve anything, bro. And so uh, I bought the shoes, and I wasted way too much money on them. Uh, how not to waste time because it goes by so fast. You know, when you're 21, it's like, oh, I got time. Now that I'm turning 31, a decade later, I go, man, I wish I had time. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to take advantage today of that so when I'm 41, I don't look back and go, oh, I should have I used that time. And the last thing, and the list could be 100 things, but how the good times are today. Pastor Eric preached that message. The good times aren't what we used to have. It's not what we're going to have. It's today. These are the good times. We're alive and well. And, uh, and we're healthy and we're here today, here in the word of God. That's a good place to be. That is a good time. So we learn that God uses people in our lives as wise counsel. Now, I have to say this before you start asking everybody what to do, is that not everyone gives good advice. For example, if you ask financial advice from someone who doesn't have their finances together, you're going to get bad advice. If you ask for marriage advice from someone who's single, or who doesn't have a good marriage, why would you do that? That's silly. Uh, if, if you, uh, I mean, it goes on and on. Anything that you need help with, if you ask for advice from people who aren't stewarding theirs well, uh, it's not going to be good. Ultimately, uh, you have to line up what people tell you to do through Scripture. You can say, God told me to do it, or someone else advised me to do this. Well, what does the Bible say? Uh, that should be your ultimate. If, there, if there's a, a firewall in your life of deci for decisions, it should hit that first and go, ah, Bible didn't say that. I'm going to do something different. The Bible is full of great advice. If pride is, um, is, is something that is in your way, if you say, here it is, the best time to look for advice is when you feel like you don't need it. That's the number one time that you actually need advice is when you say, I got it together. I got this thing, I don't need help. That's when you need help, because you're tripping. <laughs> and if it's not pride preventing you from listening, another culprit is trust. I want to address that for some people that trusting God is not an easy option. I've heard multiple people in my life that perhaps their loved one passed away, so then they, therefore they don't trust God anymore. Well, why did God let them pass? If he loved me, he wouldn't have let them pass. Well, why did that person get cancer? I heard they loved the Lord. Well, then I can't trust God now because he doesn't love that person. Well, why did my sister die when I was 16? Oh, God doesn't love me anymore. That's stupid. 
I'm saying that to myself, not to you. I'm saying that to my situation. I told myself when my sister passed away when I was 16, it's because God doesn't love me anymore. How stupid is that? He loves me so much, and it took me four months and a train wreck to get there. Don't waste that time. Oh, man. And just like Adam and Eve in the garden, uh, when, they, when they were told not to eat the fruit from the tree, what did the devil say to them? God said, you're going to die, but you're not really going to die. Now, there was some truth in that, but what God was talking about was what kind of death? A spiritual death. He doesn't give good advice, friends. The devil isn't. He's just dumb. He is a liar. Amen. So let's move on. Uh, building an ark didn't make sense. We're talking about listening to the voice of God. Building an ark did not make sense when God told Noah. Noah was 600 years old when the flood came. I did the math, and if uh, we say, Aaron, we don't live to 600 today. True. However, Elon Musk is going to fix it. No, I'm just playing. Um, <laughs> Noah was 600 years old when the boat went up. That's crazy. So I did the math. If the average lifespan today, according to my Google search, take it or leave it, was 80 years old. 80 years old, if you make it, you're average. So applying that math to Noah, he would have lived 63% of his life when the flood came. So 63% of his life, he would have been around 50, 60 years old when God told him. Uh, I know there's 50 and 60-year-olds in here. Imagine if you thought that you have lived your life, your kids are grown, you're ready to start this kind of uh, head towards retirement deal, and God goes, hey, go build an ark. <laughs> and the other cool thing uh, is that I believe that it never rained. From creation to the ark, they've never seen rain. All the water they needed was from springs. It's crazy. And so when Noah said to the people around him, is going to rain, they're like, okay, what is that? <laughs> Building an ark that big had never been done. The three materials they used back then for boats were reeds, skin, and uh, hollowed out logs. That ark was not a log. God's ways do not always make sense, but the scripture tells us that God's ways are higher than our ways. And his thoughts are greater than our thoughts. And here's the deal. If Noah didn't listen to God, we wouldn't be here today. God has a lot to say to you. Just got to listen. Someone say it's going to rain. The third tool that Noah used to build that ark is my favorite tool that he used. You ready for it? Noah built the ark. Well, Aaron, that's too simple. Well, you would think. But in our walk with God, when we walk with the Lord, and when we listen to him and he tells us to do something, there is that third step that is required, and that is to do it. Let's head to Genesis chapter 7. We'll start in verse 1, just a few verses here. Then the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and all of your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals. Yeah. Uh, and his mate, and a pair of animals that are not clean, the male and his mate, uh, and seven pairs of the birds of the heavens also, male and female, to keep them, uh, their offspring alive on the face of the earth. For in seven days I will send rain on the earth, forty days and forty nights, 
and every living thing that I have made, I will blot out from the face of the ground. Verse 5, here we are. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. What I love is that the ark was finished seven days before the flood. Could you imagine all those animals, the smell? Mm. You've worked for years to build this thing. Let's shut the door. All right, let's wait. We don't like to wait, do we? We're a fast food generation. This morning, my wife and I stopped by Caribou to pick up a coffee, and there was someone in front of us, and I'm like, oh, I gotta wait. It's just a natural thing. Like, I wasn't angry about it. I just said to myself, oh, gotta wait. Seven days it took. They're just chilling on the ark, looking through. They didn't have binoculars. Just looking through and not a cloud. So my daughter just finished kindergarten. It was really cool. You can applaud for that. She did great. Coming from a kid who was born 10 weeks early to graduating high school, doing great. No special classes, no, no extra help needed. Uh, God is so faithful. She absolutely loved it, but I did not. The first day of kindergarten, I dropped her off in my car, and I saw the doors, and I just squinted at them. You're going to take my kid from me? So, of course, I had to walk her to the door, just that extra second of holding her hand before someone could attack her or take her, and I'd have to, like, go to jail. And, and so I took her to school. I held her hand, and there was a point where I had to let go, and that was awful. Uh, but, but then when I got in my car, the Lord told me, relax, bro. He talks to me like he's from California. <laughs> relax, bro. It's okay. It's okay. And I felt the peace of God on my heart, and my daughter did great at kindergarten. I didn't have to go to jail, and I'm so thankful. But what comes along with that new level of independence that she has, because now she's at school, she has to go to the bathroom by herself. She has to get her food herself. She has to turn in her assignments herself. She has to do what the teacher tells her to do without mom or dad saying, no, it's okay, you do it. She did it herself. But with that new level of independence comes a new level of resistance in what doing what mom and dad say for her to do. All the moms said amen. Now she accepts what we have to say. Okay, dad. But now she also has her plan. She's that age now. She's like, or I could do this, dad. And this is how I would do it. And this is when I will do it. And it's going to be great. And I have to say, no, I have a plan for you. This is what I want you to do. And this totally reminds me of Jonah in scripture. What did God tell Jonah to do? He told him to go to Nineveh. Uh, John, Jonah 1, 1 through 3. Uh, in verse 2, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for the evil has come up before me. So he says, hey, go to Nineveh and let them all know that I don't like what they're doing. How would you feel if God told you to go to a town, a people group, maybe just a cluster of people at Walmart and say, hey, cut it out. <laughs> my name's Jonah. Send your emails to God. I would be a little nervous too. But instead, what does Jonah do? He hightails it out of there. He flees to Tarshish uh, from the presence of the Lord. And what do we learn? He eventually was on a boat and they kicked him off the boat. They're like, hey, there's storming. And then a fish ate Jonah. Now, I don't want to be eaten by a fish. Uh, for some of us, it's not even about not following our own plan. We, might not, we may not even have a plan because of instead 
of doing what God has called us to do, we label ourselves as disqualified. Has anyone else been there? I've been there. Let me tell you about some people who should have been disqualified in Scripture. Abraham and Sarah, they were too old. Timothy wasn't old enough. Jonah was disobedient. Jacob, a liar. Joseph was abandoned and abused. Moses couldn't speak clearly. Rahab was a prostitute. David was adulterous and a murderer. Paul was a really good murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Naomi lost her husband. Peter didn't keep his word. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too small, and Lazarus was dead. I like the last one because it, it trumps all of your stuff. God can use all of us no matter what we have disqualified ourselves from doing. We all have imperfections, amen? But God will overlook a qualified, put-together person, have all their ducks in a row, if they have the wrong heart. He would rather look for someone with a good heart, who's honest, has integrity, and pursues righteousness, and he will qualify them no matter where they are. God wants you to take off the rags of disqualification, to put on the robe of qualification. God wants to use you. If God has called you, here's where it stops, he will see it through. We like to do things on our own, but then it takes our own will to keep it up. But if God calls us to do it, he'll see us through. The only difference, this is my favorite thing in my entire sermon today, and I hope it'll be your favorite too. The only difference between you doing what God told you to do and not doing it is doing it. I'll say it again. The only difference between you doing what God has told you to do and not doing it is doing it. Man, we make it complicated. Well, God, you don't know my, you know, my finances, and you know, I need another stimulus check before I can go minister. And, and Lord, um, you know, my kids, I got kids, and you know, the van won't make it there. And you know, God, you know, I'm, I'm going to wait till I get married. And God, I'm going to wait till I get that degree. And man, we have so many excuses. But Noah listened to God, and his obedience saved himself his family, and showed that God can once again look at mankind and say, it is good. We're going to conclude this morning, and I want to let you know that today in our country, we're seeing division amongst race, finances, morality, politics, and more. And no matter how separated we feel, we are all subject to one common denominator. Lazarus knew about this one, is that we will all die. And it doesn't matter where our social status is. It doesn't matter how many followers we have on Instagram. It doesn't matter if we were an influencer or not, or a YouTuber. It doesn't matter if we sold millions of records. There is one common denominator, and is that one day we'll lay in a casket. Our destination is heaven, and our destiny is what we do until we get there. We have plenty to do, friends. If we can walk with God listen to his voice, and do what he told us to do, we will see ourselves in the same book of faith that we see Noah. Go ahead and put that music on, Brandy. I love that later in Hebrews, Noah's story is recounted once again. We have his story in Genesis. Jesus brings it up in Matthew and in, and in 
Hebrews, we hear this again uh, in chapter 11, verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events yet unseen in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. One last reminder this morning, it's going to rain. Don't wait until it floods to get a boat. Now throw up that sermon slide for me. I I love this picture. I made it because that's what I do here. And I found this picture of a guy holding an umbrella. I was like, man, could you imagine if just a flood was coming? And you're like, no, I'm good. This thing is double reinforced, aluminum. I'm good. How foolish. I threw this little flood in here. You can barely see it. But there's a flood coming right at them. And I I, I really fear that this is where we're at. As a generation, as a country, as a people, we're looking at the flood of life with an umbrella and saying, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Umbrellas don't float with someone holding on to them. I want you guys just to be cautious in knowing that as we see the flood, we have to build an ark. You're saying, Aaron, I, you know, what do you mean the ark? I'm talking about spiritually. And that happens with the same tools that Noah used by walking with God. Because when we walk with him, step two falls into place. We listen to God. And finally, we build the ark. We do it. Stand with me this morning. Uh, We're going to do two things during this altar time. One, we're going to address people who are holding an umbrella in front of the waters of unrighteousness, Uh, immorality and unbelief and two we're going to look at the people without an umbrella who don't even have any protection who who are not saved so if you're not saved we're going to get you after I talk to the people with an umbrella amen everybody close your eyes this morning if you're here this morning and you say Aaron I'm just like that person on the screen I've got an umbrella in my hand and I've been relying on that to get through life I've been relying on that to get to heaven and I've never seen that flood before. And just like uh, Jesus said in Matthew, they did not even see the flood coming. If you're that person today, you don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to do any of that. Just acknowledge to God, Lord, say, I'm sorry for holding the umbrella. I want to build an ark. Because when you build that ark, not only do you save yourself, but you give your family a chance to also build one. You give them the tools to also build an ark so that they're not surprised when their feet get wet. So if that's you this morning, just say, Lord, I I want to build an ark. And I need your help. Lord, will you help me build an ark today? If you're that second person this morning with your eyes closed, you say, Aaron, I don't even have an umbrella. I don't even have a relationship. It's not even a bad one. I don't even have one, a relationship with Jesus. And you're ready to take that next step today. You're ready 
to have everlasting life and be with God and you're ready to walk with him, you're ready to listen to his voice and you're ready to do what it takes. Uh, We're all gonna pray this prayer together out of respect uh, for you. Uh, Just pray this with me today, church. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I accept your grace and thank you for your mercy. I accept you as Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you. In Jesus' name. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.